This is episode 91 of the Hillcrest Duo Podcast. Today is December 15, 2018, taping live in Crest Hill, Illinois, the home of Stateville Correctional Center, a level one facility. I am Metal John, your host at Metal John Radio on Twitter, and along with me, Mr. Brad Risto. I'm at, I don't have my mic on, that would help to, if I had that on. I am Rookie. at Brad Risto on Twitter, and I've been inside Stateville Correctional Facility. Really? Yes, I, when I was um, uh, going to a junior college for law enforcement um, uh, for the corrections class, we got taken to Stateville. That's awesome. I would love to go there. I got to see inside but the roundhouse. I didn't mean that. I, I would love to uh, go there on tour, but well, not go there, okay. go there. Well, going there is easy. <laughs> yes, it is. All you have to do is um, you know, take a crap in the middle of the street. And speaking of that, we'll be talking a little bit later on about people that probably should be in prison, because uh, we're going to talk about 1984's Gremlins, one of our favorite Christmas yeah. movies. And yeah, there's a lot of people in that movie that should be in prison. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, that's sort of like our Christmas thing. We usually kind of uh, Find a dissect movie. a Christmas movie, and I think Gremlins is one of those ones that's uh, always somewhat overlooked, even though it's clearly a Christmas movie, oh, because it's about a Christmas mo- present. Even more so than... Some people's favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, is yeah. a Christmas movie. I feel like Die Hard has only become more and more popular over the last like seven or eight years as a Christmas movie. Whereas like when we were younger, yeah, it was a movie that came out as an action movie, blah, blah, blah. Yes. You never really thought of it as a Christmas movie, but mm-hmm. now people think of it as a Christmas movie over because the last seven or eight years. there's a lot of hipsters that like it. Yes. All right. Uh, but before we get to all of that, yes. we do want to talk about Elseworld, the three-part Crossover. DC crossover as they change things around, obviously doing Flash from uh, Sunday night, Arrow Monday, and Supergirl on Tuesday, completely throwing a curveball. Yes, for anybody who had a DVR set for those, you might have been thrown off a little bit. Yeah. But the, they all aired, we both watched them, and uh, we're going to share our thoughts on that real quick. Also the debut of Batwoman. Batwoman, yeah, Kane. Mm-hmm. Kate Kane. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, let's talk well, about her. First, real we quick. Do, well, yeah, let's start talking about her and her characterization. Um, I thought for her first going, it was a promising start. There are obviously little issues. She's still trying to fight through her British accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I didn't mind the accent. Um, I thought she looked the part pretty cool. I thought yes. the, I thought the costume looked awesome. It was mm-hmm. an awesome scene in Chicago as the backdrop for Gotham well, City. And I want to we will talk about that cuz obviously the end game for DC is to have a Batwoman television show. The yes. problem is every other Bat um uh, DC television show they film up in Toronto. They have now just committed themselves to ha- possibly taping in Chicago all the time. Uh, Which is more expensive. Yeah, but if you think about Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, they all film like very limited outside in public scenes. A lot of this stuff is in studios. So I think they would do the same thing with Batgirl. They might just come to town like once a year, like what Shameless does with Mm -hmm. uh, on Showtime. They just come for like three weeks, film a bunch of stuff. Like I think when they were in town, when they were in Chicago filming the scenes. I do not think Batgirl was in, like, she wasn't part of them. Right. Because a lot of the inside scenes were filmed in studio. 
only the exterior shots, and they only filmed one night. They like came to town and yes. they filmed between like 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. Well, then and it, <laughs> since we're Chicagoans, we can say what buildings they were at. They were yep. at London House, which is um uh, right on Michigan Avenue. Yeah, Michigan that, and Wacker. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's what the building they were on top of. And then they were also at the Hard Rock Hotel, the Union Carbide Building, which is also right on Michigan Avenue. Yeah, and they're, they're like right next to each other pretty much. Well, London House is de- – they're both at the other ends of the Mag Mile. Yeah. One's at one end, one's at – actually, yes, they're at the other opposite ends of the Mag Mile 100% now that I think about it. Yep. But, uh, they, you know, they – it was a real quick shoot when they came to town, but anyways, going back yes, to Batgirl, I, or Batwoman, I thought she, I thought she did pretty well. I am really excited to see what they do with her character yes. on her own show. Um, but it was kind of a cool intro to that character. I thought overall the story arc was was very comical. It was cool to see um, yes. Barry and Oliver switch roles. Oh, yes, well let's um, re- um, uh, reverse to get it to the, getting to the start of the Elseworlds sto- uh, story with the problem being. Barry and Oliver have switched bodies, basically, but no one else can tell other than them. Correct. And I thought I thought it was fun. I loved the tongue-in-cheek um, uh, reference at the start of Arrow, where um, Grant Gustin was doing the voiceover as Arrow, as yep. Oliver. It was one of those little things that you could miss, because it yep. kind of just happened fast. Yeah, uh, and it it was uh, it was entertaining. It was fun. Um, and overall, I mean, I thought when you just kind of tie in all all three episodes, which basically just split into like one two and a half hour movie, pretty much. That's the you best know? way to put it. I mean, I don't even really think I don't look at them as individual stories. Like, yeah, Sunday night's episode was the Flash, but really, it's just part one of Elseworlds. I mean, yeah. I would just say just rename it. There was you no know, th- there was I, a, there was you know it wasn't the Flash's story. No, was, there was no um, lighter theme that you'd expect from the Flash. The Arrow wasn't a darker theme, and Supergirl didn't have their normal themes. And yeah, and, and, and a lot of these didn't have all their regular cast members no. either. Like, I mean, I felt like overall, like Supergirl's like castmates almost weren't even in any of these three episodes. No, and then you had some of them and that Felicity were in all was three. was in like a little bit, you know. And, and then you had some that were in all three. Sis- oh, yeah, Cisco had character. a different part in every movie, pretty or yes, every episode. That, and you had um, uh, Killer Frost in all three. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing, too, real quick about Batwoman, too. How, I mean, I thought it was comical, but maybe, maybe a little overdone is all the Bruce Wayne talk. <laughs> well, it seemed like it was a now. little, it was like, they constantly mentioned it, and you know, I mean, I but he, I thought it was like he a would good have humor been too. He would have been the two hundred fifty pound gorilla in the room, and and I loved Supergirl calling out uh, cousins. Uh, yeah, that well, and even when she saw uh, um, Bat Batwoman in the costume, she's like, I got actually what you Yeah, like I know who you are. Well, she might have known. There might I don't know, but it was a it was a really good um. Uh, fun run of episodes they were fun to watch but what really happened is my big problem is in the end there was no real progress to anything other than to tease next year's event series and that's crisis on infinite earths yeah and And that's my biggest um uh, that's my biggest complaint is all these three episodes were was saying we're finally going to do it. We might be breaking down the barriers, and there'll only be one Earth, so we don't have to do this breaching bollocks anymore. Yeah, I, I get kind of lost with all the – I mean, that's another reason why I pulled away from a lot a lot of the Flash is just all these Earths, and 
Just well, earth I personally this, love it. earth that, earth. Yeah, well, no, I mean, some people do. I mean, me, it's just like I get kind of burnt out on it. And Cause... and again, this was even though it was fun to watch. Yes. It like I I do agree with you. There really wasn't no adding to the story. There was no cliffhangers. No. There was no like oh I can't wait to see how this play. You know, there was none of that. It was just you know more of the same. Right. But yeah, they had a lot more humor and it was a lot more interesting because Mm -hmm. of the role changes and the intro of Batwoman, you know, all this kind of made it interesting. But when you just think about the plot line and the storyline, if you were to tell somebody about it, they'd be like, that sounds boring. The the monitor (laughs) came to test them and then Oliver said something to him and then he stopped testing them. Correct. That's what happened. Correct. That's by the way, you're wearing a Robocop shirt. I just noticed. Yes. It's pretty awesome. All right. Loot crate. All right. I just resubscribed, so we'll see how that plays out. Nice. Uh, all right. So but any other uh, thoughts on, uh, on well, the crossover? Well, I suppose the best, some of the best parts were the little Easter eggs we got from in uh, Arkham, obviously. Yes. Uh, Bane's mask. Yeah. And obviously. Obviously all the inmates. Yep. Going up and down, seeing that. And uh, Crane's. Uh, fear toxin. Fear toxin, which I thought that. Probably was one of the coolest scenes is when they were mm-hmm. fighting each other, but yes. they thought they were fighting somebody else uh, due to the fear toxin. Uh, and then Batwoman just kind of comes in and kicks them both in the face. Right. Although I saw some people um, uh, criticizing that, saying, okay, if he can't get drunk, then why is the fear toxin not just instantly metabolizing out of Oliver's system? Again, there, there's a nerd moment for you. Plot hole. But <laughs> who cares? It was fun. That's all that matters. Some people overthink things. As to, to quote um, uh, the MST3K um, uh, theme song, remind yourself it's just a television show. I should really just relax. Correct. <laughs> All right. So moving on, uh, one of our favorite Christmas movies, 1984's Gremlins. The year I was born. Yes. And we've actually, uh, what was it, maybe two years ago, we went through our top like Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. That podcast is in the archives yeah. somewhere. I know Gremlins, I believe, was on both of our top ten lists. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of sticking with our annual Christmas theme where we just talk a little bit about some of our favorite stuff. The we are dark, gonna get into Christmas movie. We are going to get into Gremlins. I don't know how long it's been since you've last seen it. I, I just watched it three nights ago. I usually watch it every other year around Christmas. Um, so nice. I, I watched it again this year and just wanted to take some mental notes on it and, and, and you know, and – Bring to the podcast here, um, you know, a couple quick quick things about the movie. Uh, when you if you do sit down and and, and watch it, um, the the whole movie was filmed uh, in some very familiar spots. So yeah. the, chi- the Chinatown shop, something you're not going to recognize, uh, but it was filmed on the back lot of the W the Warner Brothers Studios. And uh, I took that tour years ago, and they actually pointed out on the tour this staircase right here. This is from the Gremlins, where he goes down to the China shop. So, nice. I, so I could say I saw that staircase. Uh, however, the town square, um, it's very familiar. One to of a your lot. favorite um, uh, uh, points to point out. Uh, very familiar to a lot of '80s movies, and that was filmed at Universal Studios backlot. So, if you ever go to Universal Studios Hollywood, you could take the backlot tour. And you'll see that town square, which is the same town square as Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, and, and the Monster Squad. Uh, the bank where the main character, where Billy works, is 
the uh, aerobics class in 1985's Back to the Future. And mm-hmm. in 1955, it's also the coffee shop. That's how small that town square is. Soda shop. Soda shop, yes. Get it right. Gosh. But anyway, so uh, you could see the courthouse if you do look for it. You could see the courthouse uh, from Back to the Future. And if you're a Monster Squad fan like myself, the church, the church staircase, that is in Gremlins because when the priest goes out to put a letter in the mailbox, that church is right behind him. So uh, just cool things to notice if you watch a lot of 80s movies that that, well, yeah. that was a very well, popular that, that set. Was, well, Universal really liked to say this is where our movies are filmed. So yep. they would... I guess it's in some people's minds, maybe shoehorn the town square in, but yeah. you were going when you were going on the backlot tour, you were actually going on the backlot, and how cool is that? Yeah, and as much as we love this movie, when you really, really just think about some of these characters, some of the things they say, some of the things they do, there are a lot of dumbasses in this movie. Well. Let's start with the dad just going into a random uh, shop to get his adult son. Not to mention a little boy kind of dragged him into that shop. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll show you my... Yeah. To get his adult son this new species that no one's ever heard of. And instead of going to, you know, the news or some kind of um science consortium, huh, I'm going to give this to my 21-year-old son who works at a bank. Still lives at home. Still lives at home and hangs out with a 13-year-old boy, played by Corey Feldman, which that's another relationship I don't understand, is why is Billy good friends with this little kid? Maybe he was a babysitter at one time. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But, yeah, speaking of that, so the dad buys this toy or this this species, this creature. He just bought it. It's not a parrot. It's not a hamster. It's somewhat sentient. They can tell it's so not much to mention, Not to mention, the guy didn't want to sell it to him, but the little boy said, meet me out back, and he sold it to him. Like, You're going to sell it to him, old man! Yeah, $200 for that thing. Jeez. $200 back And he back $200 back. out of his pocket, like, Who oh. care? I don't carry $200 on me now. $200 in 1984, my goodness. But let's, all right, so dad brings home the, the mogwai, gives it to his son, and casually tells him what the three rules are. Yeah, and yeah. guess what dumbass Billy does? He breaks all three rules within 24 hours. I know. And, well, my question, and here, obviously this is the question everyone's always had about um, the some of the rules, especially the feeding them after midnight. What what is it? What's the cutoff? Is like at, is it like from midnight to 6 a.m.? Or do they only get to live like a day and then they die because you can't feed them again? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I would imagine when the sun comes up, like it's officially over. Okay. The, the oh, by the thing. way, um, I looked it up just for the heck of it. Two hundred dollars nowadays, four hundred eighty-six seventy-two. So that guy was just walking around with four hundred eighty-six dollars in his pocket, willing to fork it out for just a thing, Jeez. anything. Just, just a gift. A gift. He was looking at. Look, I need a gift. a gift. I need it now. He had to get a gift from Chinatown. All right, so. Billy again breaks all these rules within 24 hours. I'll give I'll give him a small pass though on getting Gizmo wet because Corey Feldman's character actually knocked over the paintbrushes yeah, with the water. So it's not his fault. But the dumbass Billy, him. dumbass Billy brings one of them to the school, gives it to the science teacher, and purposely gets it wet in front of the science teacher. Like, hey, watch what it does when I get it wet. So 
That's well, where Billy earns his dumbass card again. Well, at least, Not you know, mention... finally took it to a science person. And that's what a science person would do. But they should have done this in a controlled lab. But just to, I mean, but just to continue to rip on Billy's character, he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't listen to the rules. He also brings his dog to work. Wait, wait, wait. His dog attacks a woman, Miss Beagle, and he doesn't lose his job. <laughs> or the dog doesn't die. But let's also, t- well, at least doesn't get destroyed there. But let's also talk about the guy that sold the Mogwai. Remember, you can't get it wet or feed it. Doesn't say why. Just says, don't do this stuff. Of course, the dad doesn't ask why. My question would be, okay, okay, why? Well, if you get them wet, they're going to split in two. Oh, that's kind of cool. And if you feed them after midnight, they become monsters. I'm sorry, what? Yes, monsters that will destroy things. They're they're, they're pure evil if you feed yes. them. Oh, and here's another. Here's an, I'll Ooh, go back okay, even that's further. That's a little dangerous. I'll, I'll go back even further. Who... Figured out these rules. Well, that means there were more, because obviously... So did somebody test, like, all right, let's feed it. Oh, uh, okay, I notice if we feed it at 11.30, it's fine. But if we feed it at 12.01, it turns into these things. So don't feed after midnight. Put Wait, what on, if I'm put in... That on, put that on the list. What if I'm on the Condor, and I can go um, uh, from time zone to time zone? And what, yeah, what time zone does this take place? Like, What if I live on a border town between the two? And what if I'm in, my house is actually at the timeline? And how cold is it in this town, by the way? <laughs> I, I It bothers me when I watch this movie. I don't see anybody's breath. But yet all the cars are frozen. There's like four feet of snow everywhere. Um, but everybody's just walking around. To, you know, oh, by the way, in the in the beginning, in the Christmas tree lot, <laughs> yeah. here's, here's, I just noticed because the whole town's frozen over. There's like four feet of snow. And you go to the Christmas tree lot where the sheriff is at, Billy's at, and and – you know, Corey Feldman's character's at, and everybody's wearing a sweater like we are right now, a hoodie, and it's unzipped. Yeah. Nobody's cold. Nobody's got gloves on. Nobody's got earmuffs. Like, I'm like, is it like 50 degrees and four feet of snow out there, or what? So it's, you know, for people that say they love this movie, we sure seem to like to tear holes in it. <laughs> this whole <laughs> movie is going... But that's what's fun about watching 80s yes. movies. Because <laughs> they sometimes make absolutely no sense. All right, but I'm going to talk about some awesome moments now. Okay. All right, first... I would say probably the first badass moment in this movie would be the mom. When mm-hmm. the mom goes commando and just murders like three gremlins in a row. I mean, first of all, she goes up to the attic. What's up there? There's a noise. And then the record player starts. You hear what I hear. Yeah. Uh, which is an awesome moment in that movie, by the way. I love it. It's very creepy, but yeah, yes. cool. Then she goes downstairs to the kitchen, and they're eating all of her gingerbread cookies. And there's one that's kind of climbing into the blender. Yeah. Boom. She hits the start button. She blends that thing together, grabs a knife, just stabs one to death. Get out of my kitchen. And then she grabs the Pam, sprays one in the face, throws it in the microwave, and blows it up. She kills three gremlins in 30 seconds. She's a sadist, by the way. No, she's she's badass. Who what does she do to other animals? Well, and here's here's what's great about this is you don't even expect that from her character. No. She's just the mom. She's just a, a background person for the entire movie until that moment. And then she just flips that switch and she becomes a badass. And I love it. Probably the first coolest part of the movie is just how she murders three gremlins. Murders them seconds, dead. And then she doesn't kill any more the rest of the movie. I'm like, she should have been with Billy 
the whole time just going after murdering these things. I would pay. I would pay to see like well, what, I'd pay pay to see like an animated short now, just her going out and doing other ones right now. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Um. Oh, I mean, and Billy throws the one in the fire. I mean, there's just so many badass moments with like killing the gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um. And. <laughs> Uh, the dad, he sort of disappears, like, for, like, a big portion of this movie, too. Yes, like, he it, does. Like, when this is going on, and and I also wanted to bring up the fact that what is with the sword on the wall of this house? Every t- Remember, every time they go into the front door of the house and they close the door, there's, like, two swords that are crossed. One always falls to the ground. Every single time in this movie. I think it's supposed to be a joke, a sight No, it, it is. It is. And and I think it's funny because it's like every time somebody comes in, they got to pick up the sword and hang it back up. Every single time. When Billy comes home, the sword doesn't fall. He has to pull it off the wall to go, like, swat at one of the gremlins. Well, like, and that's why. Just for that one moment. It, yep. It was um, all building to that. You, I, you explained it. I would say the best scene in the movie, though, what really takes the cake for me is the bar scene mm-hmm. where you cut to the bar scene. There's hockey on the TV. There's yeah. like 30 gremlins. They're all smoking. They're chains. Some of them have four cigarettes in their they're, mouth. They're drinking. They're drinking beer. And, and poor uh, uh, Kate is bartending. So my first mm. thought is, how did she, like, was she at work? And then, like, a few gremlins walked in like, hey, we'll take a round of beers. Her. I mean, how did well, she yeah, how, become a bartender for yeah, them? And how does she know pouring them want. beers, and they're slamming the glasses on the table. Uh, they're playing poker. The one's cheating at poker. They're killing each other. Uh, and then there's the one wearing lipstick. There's the peeping Tom. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, like, so many cool moments in that scene at the bar that just – I, I, I could watch that over and over again. They're swinging on the ceiling fan. Um, they got the jukebox on. It just looks like a badass gremlin party. But yes. then, again, I look at Kate, and she's still she's pouring them drinks. She's lighting their cigarettes. I'm like, so. Run! I mean, are they paying? Like, you would uh, think that well, you know, they'd mu- be like, uh, all right, you guys want to start a tab? <laughs> that's, but, that's a good like I said, there are a lot of plot holes in 80 movies. And then Kate, movies. what about her? She's got issues. Like, Well, yeah. The darkest story of any Christmas kids movie ever. That story about her dad's death? I mean, it's like... Way uh, to bring down the moment there, Kate. And she's got two moments like that. That was like the story about her dad's death was the second moment. The first moment is when she's walking with Billy... And she's talking to him about the holidays, and she's like, yeah, people are always depressed around the holidays. And then she makes some comment about how some people are opening up gifts, but other people are opening their wrists. I'm like, jeez. And then then maybe like 10 minutes later, she goes into the story about her dad's death. And because at first I'm thinking to myself when you're watching this movie, you're like, this girl's cute. Like, how how come Billy isn't, like, hooking up with her yet? You know, she's not like the new girl in town. Like, Billy knows her. I think he's just too nervous to, like, hit on her. But Judge Reinhold, he's like, hey, what's up? You oh, know, I'm going to be VIP oh, soon. Reinhold. And he's he's being really douchey in the movie. But I'm like, how does this girl not have a dude in her life? And then she tells these stories, and I'm like, oh. That's why. That's Cause she, why. Because she's a downer. Yeah. Ugh. Um, let's talk about Miss Beagle, though. But Miss Beagle, one of my – I would say Miss Beagle is one of my favorite characters in the movie, even though she's mean. Well, she, mean she wants, people She wants to cool. kill the dog. Just 
like the but, scary lady from what uh, from uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, she she's basically the evil witch of yeah. town. Um, she's she's kind of a, I mean she's a bitch, and one of my favorite parts or one thing I've noticed every time she goes to the bank she cuts the line, and whoever's in the front of the line she just nudges them over and takes their spot and starts talking. Yeah, that wouldn't happen with me because. I'd go like, Gordy. can you imagine that you're at the bank? You're like, yeah, hey, uh, all right, so I want to catch. Boom, you get knocked. I, I want my deposit. Like, Jesus, lady. Uh, well, <laughs> I'd probably be in trouble because I'd probably just do a Gordy Howe elbow. Ooh, I like that. Oops, but, sorry. But Miss Deagle's death is the best death in the movie for sure. When yeah. she gets on the little motorized chair yeah. after the gremlins have hotwired it, that's... and she just launches up the staircase and out the window. Well, th- that's why she was so mean, because they knew they were going to have this. But she was a cat lady, though, so she gets she gets some brownie points from me for being a cat lady. Whatever. Dogs are better, and you know it. I like cats, and I like dogs. I like both. Why can't I like both? Because you have to pick one. That's just the way things go. Mm. Cats are easier to take care of because you don't have rules. You don't have rules with cats. I guess. You could feed them whenever. You could get them wet whenever. <laughs> Dogs are fun. But, yeah, but no, that is obviously the best death scene in the entire movie because it's one that you don't feel bad about because it's like, she was horrible. I'm glad they launched her. And at, and at the beginning of the movie, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how a lot of these people would end up in prison, and they would because. Oh God, yes. I mean, but where does it start? I mean, I know obviously, you know, Billy, Billy getting the thing, Billy breaking the rules is a it has this whole chain effect where you've got deaths. The, the science teacher died. By the way, do you notice he was black and he was the first person to die in the movie? Uh, yeah. They kind of kept that '80s thing going, or the the black guy dies first. Um, and then, so, and then you got Miss Deagle's death. Then you got the two dumbass cops in town, which apparently this town only has two cops. Well, it's a and, small town. And, you know, the gremlins break their brake line or whatever, so the cop car flips over, and you don't see them ever again, so you assume they're dead. Yes. Um, and, and you know, they, they vandalize the toy store, the bar, the movie theater. No, they I vandalize don't think everything. Billy wouldn't be going to prison. The guy that had this monster and didn't tell proper authorities and then in his chinatown shop not to mention and just sold it to the first idiot with 200 bucks that walked in because a little kid told him to So who's going to prison for all these somebody's got to take the fall here for the murders i mean well i I, I think everybody (laughs) goes to jail i think billy goes to prison i think the dad goes to prison i think no let's be honest and i think and i think the old chinese man goes to prison let's be honest Billy and the dad are getting off their wife. The the, the old Chinese man. Um, Even though the Chinese man in his in, in his a minority, defense, he didn't sell the thing. He didn't want to sell the thing. His grandson grabbed it and took it out the back door and sold it. A minority, he's going to prison because it's the eighties. Yeah, that's just the way it is. B- Billy and the dad, they're getting off with community service. They, like at the end of the movie, just the Chinese man comes over and goes, "You guys, you guys are irresponsible with this." He's just like he's like Dude. Such, he's so like he's he's disappointed, but in the nicest way possible. After murder, chaos, yes. destruction in town, Dude. he's like Guys, people are dead. He's like I need to. He goes, I'm taking this back. And and Billy and the dad are like, okay, where's our money? Gizmo. And and it's like, where's our money? Yeah, does he get his two hundred dollars back? And let's talk, be honest and he, about and this. He even tells him he goes, maybe maybe someday you will be responsible enough. It's like how. 
How old does he have to be? He's 21, and his dad's in his 40s. Let's be honest. They would be um uh, uh there there would also have been media descending upon the town, the small town in California. I think it's supposed to be. I don't know. Uh, well, no, it's there's four feet of snow. I don't well, know. Well, Northern I know California. I don't know. Yeah. Some ta- some small town was besieged by monster otherworldly monsters. We go there now for Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. Um, and before we go, I want to—I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Randall's uh, inventions. We see a lot of inventions of this movie. Well, but you know what's funny? When you watch this movie now, how many of these inventions we actually have? Mm-hmm. We have oh. a juicer. We do. We have a K-cup. Because remember the coffee thing? Yeah. Um, we have phones that answer by pushing a button. Um, the only thing we don't have though is a bathroom buddy, which is talked about a lot in this movie. The bathroom buddy <laughs> with the shaving cream, the toothpaste, everything. Yes. Why did they should make one of those? Just as kind of a gag for the movie, I suppose. Maybe for the 40th anniversary. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of little inventions, and I don't. I, I again, how does Randall make his money? Because mom doesn't work. Randall's an inventor that makes really bad inventions that he doesn't seem to have a good, do a good job at selling to anybody. Oh, the smokeless ashtray. That was a big one, too, that appeared twice in the movie. That's something we have now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyways, um, overall, we still love the movie. Oh, it's, uh, it's But it is one of those movies. It's one of those movies you love for all its faults. Yes. I was just going to say that because my buddy I watched it with uh, a few nights ago, we kind of – Mystery Science Theater, the whole thing, and we had a blast watching I it. I love so it. We got to do that. It is a great so Christmas We movie. have to do a riff track, track for some movie. I don't know what, but we'll yeah, have to we do will. that. I know you have to go to the movies. Uh, so yes, I'm – gonna, We're going to go ahead and end this podcast. You're off to see Spider-Verse. Spider-Man I was, entered the Spider-Verse. I know probably a little bit about what happens, but I, I'm still excited to well, see I, it. Well, I already saw it, so you're going to see it. So next podcast, we're going to talk about that. We've also got other movies to talk about because mm-hmm. it is big movie – we're gonna see, time. we're gonna do have a mandate. Yes. We're gonna go see um, uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Once Upon a Deadpool, but that'll be next week. Alright, he's Brad Risto. I am Brad Risto at uh, Brad Risto on Twitter. He's Metal I, John. I'm Metal John at Metal John Radio on Twitter, and this is episode ninety one of the Hillcrest Duo, and we'll see you next time.